SBI show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Scalarsip, and it is Wednesday morning, and it was a pretty crazy weekend in the soccer world. And once again, another busy week. Whether it's American soccer, European soccer, you name it, European soccer's back mostly. So I'm sure, like me, you're watching all the action Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, so much to dig into. Americans abroad topics galore, whether it's great performances, transfer talk, transfer rumors. We have U.S. men's national team to discuss. World Cup qualifying getting closer and closer. We have U.S. women's national team to discuss and the retirement of a legend, Carly Lloyd. And of course, we'll wrap things up talking MLS. Uh, what was an entertaining weekend, followed by a very busy midweek. 11 matches on Wednesday night. And as you know, in the 2017 league, you're going to have busy, busy midweek schedules. And this is new for me. I got to say, it used to be a time when you'd get a couple you get a couple of midweek games. Now you get 11 on a Wednesday night. I mean, wow. It's Listen, if you're following MLS these days, it's good to have a lot of screens handy. A lot. And I got them all. I mean, I, let me see how many screens I got. One, two, three, four, five. I think I can get up to six games going at once if I want to. But who wants to do that? I think my head will explode if I try to keep track of six games. But you do it. See what you can do. So let's go, folks. Let's talk. Where do we start? Americans abroad, of course, of course, Americans abroad with the big leagues back. Uh, but before we get into, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit since it's Wednesday morning. There's already been some action during the week to get into some some uh, Americans abroad action during the week. We have UEFA Champions League playoffs and Brendan Aronson. How about Brendan Aronson scoring the 90th minute game winner to bring Red Bull Salzburg a step closer, potentially to the Champions League group stage. And the job's not done. They still have a second leg to play. But Aronson coming off the bench at halftime against Bronby, and they went 2-1. In a game that was tougher than I think people maybe expected just because of the situation with Bronby. They had seven players miss the match because of COVID. A COVID outbreak with the team. And among the seven, Christian Kappas was one of the seven players, the American midfielder. So he didn't play. But Brandon Aronson did play. He comes off the bench and he scores in the 90th minute. Great goal. Great touch. Great finish. Now he gives them the advantage heading into the second leg. Heading back to Denmark for the second leg next week. Uh, I just wanted to jump into that because, I mean, look, Brandon Aronson, I know there were questions. How's he going to be? How's he going to do with Jesse Marsh gone? Jesse Marsh left. He's at, he's at RB Leipzig now. Will Brendan Aronson still find playing time? And not only is he finding playing time, he has started every game, every league game that, that Salzburg has played. But he's playing well. We all saw the goal he scored against Barcelona. Yes, I know it was a friendly, but still, you see confidence in him. You see that kind of, he, he look, he's at home now. Uh, he, he obviously hit the ground running when he got there in January. So it shouldn't be a surprise. I don't know why anyone thought, oh, if Marsh leaves, uh, Aronson's going to fall apart or he's, he's going to lose his place. He's going to get stuck on the bench. No, Aronson's a talent. And if you're a U.S. national team fan, you have to be pretty excited about what he is showing. Because he will be he will be in the World Cup qualifying squad. I'm not breaking that or reporting that, but it's just he will be there. Because you know he's one of the handful of Americans who's playing consistently. And he's he's been called up before. He's been part of groups before, and I think and he'll be there. And I, I like what I see. I got to tell you, I like what I, I'm seeing from him. And uh, we we need to keep track of how he continues to progress because you know what? You just wonder how much longer he'll be at Salzburg because we know Salzburg they develop young players and then they sell those young players. So if Aronson keeps it up, you have to think he'll be in the shop window before you know it. Now, obviously, this weekend there was plenty of. Americans abroad action with the leagues returning, the top leagues. You had England, Germany, Spain, all back. Italy, the only league that isn't back yet, and they'll be back next week. But Christian Pulisic kicks things off, and I told you last episode, don't worry about Christian Pulisic. He'll be okay. He's done it before. He's had to fight for minutes before. He'll have to fight for minutes in the future. But he tends to rise to the occasion. 
and he did it again. He did it. You know, he starts the first game of the first Premier League game, the first game of the Premier League season. He scores a goal, has a good game, and he loves Crystal. He loves playing against Crystal Palace. I think he's got five goals in five games against Crystal Palace. And if you're a U.S. fan and you were a little worried about him coming into the season, you're feeling a little better now, and you should. He's up for it, and, and I see a player who who has a confidence about him. I mean, when you had the summer that he had winning the Champions League, winning the Nations League, winning the UEFA Super Cup, three trophies in three months. Now he ends it, heads into the new campaign, and he looks he looks good. He looks like he looks confident, and you have to think he's going to be ready to rock for World Cup qualifying. And he he is obviously going to be such an important part of Greg Berhalter's attack. And right now he's looking really sharp and hopefully he can keep it going and keep staying in that lineup. Obviously having Hakeem Zayich get injured is made things a little easier in terms of getting playing time. It's still, there's still plenty of people to compete with there, but Pulisic's off to a great start. Speaking of Americans off to great starts, Conrad De La Fuente with another promising performance in another Marseille draw. He didn't get the assist this time, but he did help set up a goal with a great run down the left again. And I'm hearing it more and more. U.S. fans excited about the prospects of Conrad De La Fuente being in with the team. And I've seen some stuff about, oh, you know, it's not a, it's not a given that he'll be, he'll be there in September. Listen, he will be with the U.S. men's national team. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Knock on wood, as long as he's healthy... As long as between now and when the camp starts and they report for camp, he will be there. He's gotten off to a great start in, in France. Starts the first two matches for Marseille. Looks great. Playing with confidence. Showing the ability. Showing that potential that we've heard about for so long. But hadn't quite really seen. Now we see it. Now we see the speed. We see the ability to take people on. And we're seeing the growing confidence. That he has. And obviously, look, if you if you come up through the ranks at Barcelona, as much as he didn't quite really break through and get a ton of time with the first team, still being in that environment, training with the first team, being with the first team, that gives you some confidence. And you can tell he's he's gotten to France, he's gotten to Marseille, and he's there with an attitude that I can come here and I can be the man. I can star here. I can, I can, you know, I can do things here. And he's doing it. He's doing it. He's making things happen. He's creating chances. And if you're Greg Berhalter, you have to love what you see. Because it just gives you that many more options. And we'll talk about that uh, in the U.S. Uh, men's national team segment. Talking about Conrad De La Fuente, what he does for what he potentially can do for Berhalter by developing now into a serious option. Um, but yeah, he, you got to love what you're seeing from him. And uh, another player who's off to a good start, Gio Reyna. And obviously no one should be surprised. We knew this coming into the season, he was going to have a bigger role at Dortmund with Jaden Sancho moving on. And what does he do? Scores a goal in the first Bundesliga match of the season. He looks, he, he, I'm telling you, he is going to have a huge year. Now, he in, now Dortmund lost the German Super Cup on Tuesday to Bayern. Um, no shock there. Bayern is just, you know, they're a powerhouse. They're a power, you, you know what you're getting with Bayern. They're tough to beat in Germany. However, I thought Reina showed some good flashes. And I know some people, I feel like some American fans were maybe overstating his overall performance in the Super Cup. I thought he definitely showed some great flashes. Well, was it a great overall game? I, w- I wouldn't go that far. But what was very promising was seeing him once again playing not so much as that kind of hugging the, the sideline winger, but being a little more central, which is obviously leading to more and more conversations among U.S. fans asking, when will we see Giorena centrally for the U.S. men's national team? I'll touch on that a little bit in, in the U.S. MNT segment. But obviously, that's definitely something to look at. He, he can play anywhere. He can play anywhere in the attack. He's that good. But we'll get into that a little bit. But he's off to a good start. You love to see it. And you want to see that confidence. Uh, he has, he, he look, he, he's, as much as he's 18, he plays with such a confidence. And it's just, it's, it's just growing. And obviously, we saw in the Nations League, 
we saw him, you know, just really attack. I mean, in that Mexico game, he had he just had no fear, and it is you love it. He he, you can tell he was he was thriving in the moment, and uh, obviously <laughs> playing well against Mexico is it uh, runs in the family as we know with Claudio Arena and and the things that he's done uh, that he did against Mexico, most notably in the World Cup in two thousand and two. The great game that Reina had, for those who remember, and for many who probably don't remember, because you know, for all the young fans who who didn't see or weren't around watching the 2002 World Cup, Claudio Reina was a beast against Mexico, and Gio Reina is uh, he, he's going to be a beast in World Cup qualifying. As much as he's only 18, he is ready. He's ready to tear it up. So, looking forward to seeing him and another player off to a promising start to the new European season, Serginho Dest. And that's a tricky one because we know Barcelona in a lot of ways is a hot mess with everything going on and their financial troubles and losing Lionel Messi. And we all want to see how Barcelona is going to respond. And so far, first game, promising start, big win. They beat a good Real Sociedad team. And if you're an American soccer fan, you love to see Sergio Dest in the starting lineup. And you love seeing him play well. He played well. And we've touched on this in the show before. He is going to have a fight for playing time. Emerson Royal is a a quality right back. And they've brought him in to compete with Dest. Now, the good news for Dest is that Ronald Koeman is a fan. Ronald Koeman likes his game. Ronald Koeman likes what he brings to that position. And you can tell he he still has that faith in Dest. But I tell you what, Dest has to know he can't afford to slip up. He has to, you know, take full advantage. And if he if he st- starts to slump, Emerson Royal is going to pounce. So hopefully, competition is a good thing. Competition will it will force players to step up their game. It's a sink or swim situation, and it's not like he didn't have competition last year. But it's going to be even tougher this year. But so far, first the first game, he looked pretty good. He looked good. Good game for him. Hopefully, he can keep that going. And you kind of wonder where Greg Berhalter sees him. Is he gonna is he gonna play him in, at his natural right back position? Is he gonna push him to left back? Is he it, with all? Because I mean, what are there? There's like more than half a dozen interesting right back options, solid right back options. So you can afford to move Dest to left back. Although we know defensively, Dest at left back. Actually, either way, Dest is not a rock solid defender. He, he he gives you great attacking qualities, but the defense is the question. And at left back, he has shown some some vulnerabilities defensively. So that that that's one, going to be one of the storylines when World Cup qualifying rolls around in September. Is where do you play Dest, and will he be up for the challenge defensively? Because it, it's big, it's big. But we'll touch on that a little bit more in the USMNT segment. I know we got a lot going on in that segment, but uh, talking about the German Super Cup, obviously Giorena uh, and Dortmund lost, but. Chris Richards was in uniform but did not play for Bayern. He was on the bench for them. And we're still waiting to see what happens with him. Does he stay with Bayern? Do they sell him? Do they loan him? The The Leicester City link is, is dried up a bit. Obviously, Leicester's already on the verge or expected to sign another center back. So it's looking less and less likely he goes to England. But you wonder, will Hoffenheim meet the, the asking price? Will Julian Nagelsmann decide, no, I want to keep Chris Richards? So that's still up in the air a bit. And again, a reminder, the transfer window closes August 31st. So we still have two weeks to go. We still have time uh, before things get resolved. And Because, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have to wait a while for, for a lot of these guys. Because there's a, obviously a pretty good list of Americans who still could make moves. Chris Richards, you have Matthew Hoppy, who just returned to training after being quote-unquote ill. Uh, having gastroenteritis, allegedly. And the rumors are flying about Matthew Hoppy. And I think I feel like half of the Premier League has been linked to Matthew Hoppy. And you know how this goes. His agents want him out of Schalke. His agents have been tasked with finding teams that are willing to pay the price for Hoppy. And Schalke, obviously, they're trying to get paid. They've already gone, they've gone and, and, and signed strikers that are going to be their guys for this season. So Hoppy, they've already made their decision, you can tell, that they're not going to keep Hoppy. So the question becomes, how much can you get 
for Matthew Hoppy. And you're already seeing the price tag start to shrink a little bit because there were reports out of Germany that Schalke wanted $9 million, north of $9 million, which was always going to be an ambitious price because at the end of the day, as, exci- as excited as American fans are and U.S. national team fans are after his Gold Cup and after the promising glimpses he showed with Schalke in the Bundesliga, he's, he's got exactly a half season playing in the top flight. One half season. Is that enough to get teams to pay $9 million in this market, in this day and age? Not easy. And to show you how not easy that is, apparently the new reports or the new rumors making the rounds are that now you could probably get them for $6 million. So the So the prices are already falling. And the question becomes where, what's the best fit for him? Because it's one thing to, for him to be linked to, to bigger teams. And Everton, the, the Everton link is, is, is gaining steam. Him going to Everton. So the real question is, will he play at Everton? Uh, you know, as talented as he is, is, is he better off going somewhere else? Is he better off going to Crystal Palace, where he's been linked? Or Newcastle? And you wonder, and again, you still have to, the, the gap still has to close. Because $6 million, I still, I don't know if teams are lining up to pay $6 million. As much as England is pretty much where there's money. There's not a lot of money going around if you look at it. I mean, I, I was trying to, we were, we were trying to come up with a list of, of the top uh, La Liga signings. And La, La Liga teams didn't spend a lot of money. Serie A teams, not many Serie A teams spent a lot of money. But the Premier League, there's still cash flying around. And you have the trickle-down thing where, obviously, when you have a Jack Grealish go for 100 and whatever million, that trickles down. Aston Villa gets that money, they go buy players, they spend that money, and it works its way down. But for Matthew Hoppy, I think it's it's going to be, you know, right now there's two weeks to go. There's still time to kind of whittle that down and get Schalke to, to, to lower that price. Because six is he going to go for 6 or $7 million? That's That's... Uh, I don't see it, honestly. I think four or five million is probably more reasonable. Uh, I've seen reports of three to four million that Everton's looking to, to get him for three to four million. Is that that you know? Is that on the light side? Is that being a little cheap? We'll see. We'll find out soon enough. But I don't think we're going to see a resolution in the next few days. I think that's again another one where the deadline will come into play as we get closer to the deadline. That's when things wrap up because it's all it's all kind of a game of chicken, right? It, who's going to budge? Who's going to change their price? Who's going to come down on their price? Who's going to willing to up their offer? It's all a big dance. And that's why you get a lot of deals that don't get done till right up on the deadline. And I think Hoppy's going to be one of those. And he's not going to be the only one either. I think Chris Richards' deal is going to come to down to the wire. Matt Miazga, who's being linked to Alaves. Uh, we, we talked about it last episode. Hope, hoping for that Diego Lyonez reunion. But... The the Alaves loan rumor is gaining steam. Multiple outlets reporting that that Miazga is heading to Alaves. Hopefully, I'd like to see him in La Liga. I think he could. Uh, I think he could do well there. Cameron Carter Vickers. We're still waiting to see where he winds up. He's leaving. I, I mean, he's going to leave Tottenham. I think it's time. No more loans. Just sell him, Tottenham. Just sell him. And obviously, Tottenham. We know about Daniel Levy and how much hardball he likes to play. So even with a player like Carter Vickers, Daniel Levy is not going to budge on what he feels they should get for him. So hopefully they get it worked out because Carter Vickers is a player that I I really think can be a factor for the U.S. men's national team. I think he can play his way into the picture, but he's got to get out of Tottenham. He's got to get away from Tottenham, sign somewhere, find some stability at a new club. Because you can't keep you can't keep. Riding on the tra- the lone merry-go-round, and I really, really feel him and Miazga, uh, him Matt Miazga and Eric Parman Brown. As much as yes, it's been great that they've been able to com- uh, accumulate ga- game experience, accumulate minutes, sharpen their games. But there's something to be said for that stability of being with the same team for an extended period of time, and when you keep shift changing teams every year. It's got to limit you at a certain point. It's got to limit your development. So hopefully all three of those, those players find moves away from, from their the, the current parent clubs and find homes that, that they can stay at for a couple of years. Moving on, yes, I said we would talk U.S. men's national team, and we will. 
And what are we talking? We're talking Giorena. Where do you play Giorena? He's been playing on the wing, obviously, pretty consistently. When will we see him in a central midfield role? It's kind of a question that we, we used to we used to get about Christian Pulisic. Because, you know, for those who remember when Christian Pulisic was coming up in the youth ranks, the U-17s, U-15s, he was a, he was a number 10. He played centrally. But obviously at Dortmund and now at Chelsea, he plays much more out in the, in the wide areas. For the U.S. men's national team, he plays in the wide areas. And the same for Giorena. So now with Dortmund using Reina a bit more centrally, it's going to definitely raise the question, do you move him centrally for the U.S.? And it's going to really come down to the wing options and who steps up among the wingers. And we know Conrad Del Fuente is doing it in terms of his, his play for his club. We know Tim Way is an option as well. And then you have Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson obviously playing well. He's He, again, he's kind of like Giorena in that you feel like he's a more of a natural attacking midfielder. He can play in the central area. But Burhalter's used Aronson wide. And you can understand why. He does bring some good qualities to that wide role. But you just wonder who, which of those players between Reina and Aronson, if not both, will get a chance to move in, inside. And for me, you know, I definitely saw some some things from, from some fans online, some U.S. fans asking about Reina in a central role. And, and and it needs to be made clear, I don't think Berhalter doesn't believe that Reina can play there. I think Re, I think Berhalter knows that Reina can handle that role. But I just think he prefers him out wide to, to, to be in space and to just be able to take people on. And something to think about also, and I, and I mentioned this recently, I was on with Tony Miola and, and, and Brian Dunseth uh, on SiriusXM, in CONCACAF and in World Cup qualifying, especially on the road, you know what kind of meat grinder it is. You know how physical those games can get. You know how teams pack it in and make it really tough to operate in the middle of the field. And you know how re- CONCACAF referees call games. So do you want to put Giorena in the meat grinder where opponents can beat him up? And we saw Christian Pulisic go through this in the previous World, World Cup qualifying cycle. Uh, in some of those qualifiers, I think I can remember Panama being one that stood out for me that I can kind of remember uh, Reina kind of getting a taking a beating playing centrally. And that's really what it comes down to, you know, like where will he be more effective? Will he be more effective centrally where teams can kind of congest it and, and make it really tough for him to operate? Or can you play him out wide where he can take people on? And he can provide service uh, for whoever plays striker, whether it's Josh Sargent, whether it's Jordan Sibichu, uh, who you know, Jossie Zardes, whoever's playing striker, you know, Giorena can provide that service. He can combine out wide. So there, there's there's something that's something to think about. Now, long term, Reina centrally, absolutely, I can see it. Absolutely, I can see it, especially if De La Fuente, Tim Weah, you start to have some more of these wingers, some more wide players who, who can give you the option. To move rain essentially, but you also have to consider Greg Berhalter and what he, how he sets his team up. And I think ideally, Berhalter wants players in the middle who can really give you that box-to-box presence that can be physical, that can hold the ball, uh, keep the ball, and also you know have that work rate uh, to get up and back. I mean, the, the, obviously, when he started, there was all the talk about dual tens, but we know it's more dual eights. We know it's more kind of box-to-box roles. And you, 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 you've seen players, Eunice Moose is a perfect example. And obviously, it's not looking good for him for September. I, I've said it for a while now with his injury, even when he get, even if he gets back with Valencia, if it covers from the injury, like he's not match fit, do you bring him in? That's going to be an interesting one. But I don't see him playing in the September qualifiers. But if he were healthy and if he were playing regularly for, for Valencia, he absolutely, for me, if he's ready to commit himself and cap tie himself, he would be a starter. Like, he's that good in terms of holding the ball, in terms of combining, in terms of, you know, taking people on. Like, he is a very, very good central midfielder. But he's not there now. He's not going to be there in September. So, who steps up? And obviously, in the Gold Cup, you had Gianluca Busio kind of have his ups and downs. Eric Williamson, someone that I really was impressed with and I thought showed really well in the Gold Cup, is, is another example. Sebastian Legette, obviously, is someone who Greg Berhalter really rates. And he's one where I feel like he gets a lot of flack from the 
the the U.S. fans who are who aren't into MLS and are way more into the European prospects, way more into the younger prospects. Legit ticks all the boxes uh, for for a whole segment of fans who a don't like MLS. B, don't like older players. And so there you go. Legit, sorry, you're not going to, those fans are never going to be fans of yours. But Berhalter's a fan. And I think he does bring some good qualities. And I feel like the more more of Legit's qualities uh, come out with the better players around him. So you put, you put Legit in there. With a Pulisic, with Arena, he and with a Sergeant, he will his game. I feel like he ups his game, so he's another one to consider. But will Gio Arena play centrally? And I think he eventually will, or eventually that will be something that we'll see more of. But will we see it in September? If you ask me, my money would be on yes against Canada, because I don't see Canada sitting back. I see Canada really attacking. I see it being a bit more back and forth. In that kind of game, I can see Giorena play centrally. But against Honduras, in Honduras, play him wide. Against El Salvador, as much as I, you know, El Salvador and as much as uh, Hugo Perez likes to talk about just, you know, being proactive and, and going after opponents and attacking and not sitting back and defending and countering, as much as that that is the mantra for El Salvador, I'm not sure if that's the game to play to play Reina centrally, but I do think we will see Reina centrally at some point. And then you have Brendan Aronson, who I think gives you some really good quality centrally as well. So both those guys are players to consider for central roles. I know U.S. fans are clamoring for it, but I, I'm just trying to kind of lay out for you why it isn't necessarily a bad thing if they continue to play in wide roles. Now, obviously, as I said, Yunus Musa is not going to be, is most likely not going to be in that camp. Gianluca Busio is another one who I, I've said it for a while now. I'm not sure he'll be in that camp. You wonder about a tenor Tessman who did make his debut for Venezia over, uh, la- during the week, last week in the, uh, in the Coppa Italia. So is he, he's someone who has been in a camp before for the U.S. Is he in the picture? And obviously, when you talk about defensive midfield, Kellen Acosta has really stepped up as someone to be the guy behind Tyler Adams, right? But we know about Jackson Ewell's struggles. And Jackson Ewell is is kind of, he has to have fallen down the pecking order. And Tanner Tesman is someone who I think definitely merits a look. And obviously he's a bit younger, but the fact that he is already getting opportunities with Venezia says a lot. So I think he's someone who just might surprise and get that invite to that September camp. Now, moving on, U.S. Women's National Team, Carly Lloyd has announced her retirement. She will be retiring in 2021. She's already pretty. She's already set her retirement for the, the national team. She's still going to play. I believe they're going to have some games at the end here in the fall. Those are going to serve as the farewell Carly Lloyd tour. I mean, that's not what they're calling it, but that's pretty much what it'll be. And then she's going to wrap up her current season with Gotham FC in the NWSL, and that's going to be it. Carly Lloyd will be done. Her career will end at the end of this 2021 season. And it's obviously a sad moment because you realize now, hopefully people have taken the, the moment to really consider how amazing her career has been and what a big game player she's been. And and it's not just women, the women's game. I mean, soccer, like, period. Like, even when you talk about the men's game, like, it, her her performances in multiple finals, like, unbelievable performances. We're talking about two gold medal games where she scored the winner. Uh, obviously, she crushed it in the 2015 World Cup final with, with a hat trick in the first half and the goal from midfield. So when you think about her having three monster games in international final and obviously winning four international uh, titles. It's not, it's not a stretch to say, you know what? She's the best. She could, you can say she was the best player of all time that she has a case for having been or being the best women's player of all time. And if you don't want to go that far, if you still want to say, oh, well, you know, me, you know, Mia Hamm, Alex Morgan, Christine Sinclair, obviously Olympic, uh, she's Olympic champion. Now she added that to her resume, but Carly Lloyd with her performances in those big games. And obviously not just that because she's, you know, she's one of the all-time leading goal scorers. She's number two all-time in appearances for the U.S. women. So she, she you know, she ticks those boxes as well. But, but the big games and her stepping up, her in those pressure moments, thriving in those pressure moments. And even, even, some, even the game like the bronze medal game, right? 
I know you'll say, oh, but that's whatever. It's like it's third. It's a glory. It's a third place game. It's not the final. There's still the medal on the line, and there was still the pressure to want to go out with the win. And guess what? She does. She scores two goals. She has one last big game on the international stage. Even to the very end, she delivered. So hats off to her. Obviously, she's a Jersey legend. So I'm gonna be impartial. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be partial. I'm gonna be partial and say, you know what? She asked. Yeah, I'm saying it for me. Best player of all time. Apologies to Abby Wambach as well. Another absolute legend. But for me, Carly Lloyd, because of the big games, that it puts it for me anyway. Well, also because she's from Jersey. But the big games put her over the top for me. And when you think about those those Olympic finals, the World Cup final, for me, that's why. For me, she's the best women's player of all time. And in other Women's Soccer News, the Women's International Champions Cup tournament kicks off in Portland on Wednesday night. And I tell you what, if you don't follow women's soccer, but you've kind of been, you know, you, you want to check it out, you want to see women's soccer at its best. I mean, FC Barcelona's women and Olympic Lyon, you're talking two absolute powerhouses in women's soccer with star-studded squads. And I tell you what, I wish I was I wish I was in Portland to watch that game because I think that's going to be a great game. And then obviously you have the Portland Thorns and the Houston Dash, the other two teams participating in the women's ICC tournament. I think that's going to be a great tournament. And obviously, if you're an American soccer fan, you kind of want to see how the NWSL teams stack up against Europe's best. And that's always the question, right? Who's better? Is the are the end Portland Thorns obviously they're the favorite right the Dash could pull the upset, but you got to think with the with all the star power that the Thorns have and with the form that they've been in even without all their stars at the Olympics they've continued to win. You want to see what the Thorns can do against a team like Barcelona and all their firepower, or a team like Lyon who obviously won what was it five or six UEFA Champions League titles in a row before last year. I want to see that. I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm rooting for either either opponents, but if it's a Thorns Barcelona final, which is what you kind of expect it to be, that's going to be a game to watch. I'm sorry if you, as much, you know, maybe you don't, you're not someone who watches women's soccer often. It, even if you don't, that's a game you should try to find. You should try to see if you can, because that that for me will be the women's soccer at its finest. To absolute stack teams if they win of course anything can happen the dash could knock off the thorns leon could absolutely beat barcelona but i'm kind of hoping for barcelona thorns because i think that'll be a great one now last but not least we of course have to finish up talking mls and i i feel like i've zoomed through so much uh just to get to mls and you know i'll, I'll try to cover first of all there's like 40 games to talk about no, okay maybe not 40 but 20 something games between the weekend and midweek Right. So obviously I'm not going to get into all the games, but before we get into the games of the weekend and the games coming up Wednesday night, I want to talk MLS MVP. And this is going to be an interesting one because obviously we're at the midway point of the season. It's a little, little bit after we know the all-star games coming up. The all-star game is always kind of the unofficial midpoint of the season, even though it's usually a bit after the actual midpoint of the season. But for right now, here we are. Let's just say this is the midpoint of the season. Who is the MVP? And for me, you got two two players. Two players that are the absolute contenders MVP right now. Halfway through the season, Raul, Raul Ruiz Diaz, Seattle Sounders. Carlos Gill, Carlos Gill, New England Revolution. And you can't go wrong with either one because both have been unbelievable. Carlos Gill... Obviously, he's been injured. Uh, he's missed a few games now, but he, the the things that he's done when he's played have been unbelievable. So he's, you know what? If you pick Carlos Gill, it's, you, it's, you're not, you can't go wrong there, right? But for me, I'm picking Raul Ruiz Diaz because he has been an absolute beast for the Sounders. And I know you can say, oh, well, New England has the best record, so you sh- it should be Gill. But if anything, I think now these games where Gill has been out, and New England has continued to win, have shown that, look, Gill has been amazing, but New England's still a good, very good team, even without him. And obviously they're better with him. We get that. But Seattle, without Rui Diaz, like, and Seattle's a good team. They're not a one-man team either by any means. But I, I feel like Rui Diaz, 
with his performances this year and the goals that he has scored. And obviously he just is coming off a two-goal performance in the Cascadia Derby in the 6-2 thumping of the Portland Timbers in in Portland. I think I think Rui Diaz edged edged ahead of Gill with that performance. Now, obviously, Carlos Gill is injured, so it's it, you know you could say, oh, it's not really fair, but hey, it is what it is. You're judged on your actual performances. I'm giving the MVP right now, halfway through the season, to Raul Rui Diaz. And no, it's not because he's Peruvian. Okay, maybe a little bit, but no, it's because he's been unbelievable all year. Now, I'm curious what people, you know, if you're listening to this right now, let me know. Put it, you know, give your take in the comments. I am going to put a poll up on SBI today on Wednesday uh, whenever I wake up from when I finally get some sleep. I will put a poll up on SBI asking that very question. Who is your MLS MVP at the midway point in the season? Because it's one of those two. And I know, look, there's other players you could talk about. But for me, it's those two. It's the only ones in the conversation. Now. Let's talk Saturday and Sunday. The past weekend, I'm not going to get into every single game because there's too many games, but the ones I want to talk about. But obviously, you have Sounders, uh, Sounders, Thorns, Sounders Timbers. And, you know, Portland made a game of it. Uh, they go down 2 0. They rally back to make it 2 2. And at that point, you're thinking, uh oh, the Timbers are going to, you know, turn it around. They're going to win at home. You're going to get Tetris going on. You're going to get the, the, the slabs. Uh, Providence Park's going to be going crazy. And guess what? Raul Ruiz Diaz said, no, I don't think so. And scores an absolute bomb of a goal, absolute golazo to turn the tide. And before you knew it, Sounders rattle off four goals and they smack the Timbers. And, uh, you know, the, it really shows that the, I feel like they gained, they definitely gained that momentum from the win against Tigres. As much as the League's Cup, I have my druthers about the League's Cup. I'm not a fan of League's Cup. But for the Sounders, obviously them deciding to go with their full squad. They had been in a bit of a slump. They go and beat uh, Tigres, and now they've got their swagger back. And they got it back in Portland with the beatdown. And you got to think, yeah, now they're locked in. And guess who's coming closer to a return? Jordan Morris was has been spotted in training running you know he's running now let's see how close he is to returning but if you, it, it's kind of crazy to think that what if Jordan Morris can come back for the end of the season and the playoffs talk about a game changer because even without Jordan Morris they've been one of the absolute best teams in the league you can argue they've been the best team in the league obviously no one has the best record but the Sounders have been absolutely impressive now if they get a healthy Jordan Morris back i mean talk about a game changer there but huge win for, for Seattle. Another team that had a huge win, Atlanta United beating LAFC in Atlanta. And that was a close one. And Joseph Martinez scores the winner. And what is going on with LAFC? I mean, if you watch them play, they still play well. They still, you know, knock the ball around. They still create chances. But there's something off with that team. They're clearly not playing up to their potential. And the results bear that out. And while they, I don't think they're quite as as far gone as like the Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew is an example of a of a good team struggling. The Columbus Crew are not playing well, and LAFC. Not, not to say LAFC has been playing great during the six match winless streak, but when I watch them play, I still see them do some of the things that that you kind of expect them to do in terms of ball movement and in terms of generating chances. Like they still play well, but the results are not there. Obviously, the injuries have played a part. You know, Eddie Segura being out for the year is a huge loss. But still, Bob Bradley has got to figure it out because the West is tough. And and obviously, with Seattle and Sporting KC really asserting themselves as the top dogs in the West, and you have that competition for playoff spots and playoff positioning, LAFC, you know, they got to figure it out. And obviously, they're they're hurting themselves in terms of where they're going to ultimately end up playoff seeding wise and i'm sure you can argue well look lafc when they're on their game it doesn't matter who they play they can beat anyone when they're on their game but it's been a while it's been a while since we've really seen them be on their game and we know they've made all these deals they have they have you know made made some additions so you kind of wonder how that's all going to play out you know you trade away mark anthony k you trade away Corey baird in the same season you got him 
So there's been a lot of turnover, a lot of lot of shaking things up at LAFC, and, and I'm kind of curious to see where Bob Bradley can take this team, if he can help them find that rhythm and find that level, that consistency. That's the, been the big problem. They, the consistency has not been there. So that's a big job for Bob Bradley because LAFC, you expect much more of them than we've seen. But Atlanta, not to forget Atlanta, Rob Valentino, great job, has them two in a row, two wins in a row, Four in a row, I believe, unbeaten. And look out, Atlanta. Atlanta United creeping closer to the playoff picture. Gonzalo Pineda's on his way, taking over, I think, one more match, and then he takes over as head coach. Atlanta United. Luis Araujo is on the way. Atlanta United, I think, if you ask me now, would I put money on them making the playoffs? Absolutely yes. I'm putting Atlanta to make the playoffs. I know they still have to do it. They still have to win the games. They still have to find that consistency. But for me, like coming into the year, I thought I thought Atlanta had such a promising team. And now we're seeing the glimpses because, you know, they have obviously Brad Guzan in goal. You have Miles Robinson anchoring the defense. Uh, And now you have Ezekiel Barco back from the Olympics and Barco looks ready to play. And if Barco is really back and ready to to play like the player they thought they were getting when they bought him, look out. Because he is an unbelievable talent. When he is clicking, he is as good as anybody in MLS. When he's clicking, consistency's always been the problem with Barco. But so far, so good. Signs are promising. Obviously, you want to see how Pineda uh, connects with the team, how his relationship with, with Joseph Martinez is, how his relationship with Barco is. Mind you, as much as everyone loves Gonzalo Pineda as a, as a coaching prospect and, and the work he's done in Seattle, uh, everyone has talked about how, what a big role and what a big part he's played in the success of the Seattle Sounders as one of the top assistants on Brian Schmetzer's staff. But this is his first head coaching job, as far as I know. I could be wrong, but it's his first head coaching job. You want to see how he does. It's a big job. It's a big job. And we've seen some other promising pro- coaching prospects fall flat. I'm not saying he's going to fall flat, but it's, uh, you know what? He has to get it done. He has to do it. The good news for Pineda is he has the team. He has the talent to do it. He has the talent. Atlanta has the talent to be one of the better teams in MLS. And now it's up to Pineda to help find that consistency. And the good news for him is Rob Valentino's done a pretty damn good job in the interim of kind of riding the ship a bit, of kind of getting the team in a good space. Because when you watch them play lately, they look so much better now. They look like they're having so much more fun now than they were having under Gabriel Heinz. Another game I wanted to talk about from the weekend, LA Galaxy defeat Minnesota United. Another game I wanted to talk about from the weekend, LA Galaxy defeated Minnesota United 1-0, and the star of the show was Jonathan Klinsman. Yes, he stepped in for Jonathan Bond in goal, seven save performance, a bunch of top quality saves. And I know people haven't really been thinking about Jonathan Klinsman for a good while now, but he 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 has reminded us all that yes, he's a very talented goalkeeper as much as his foray into Europe didn't really work out for him but I gotta say the most interesting and ironic part about the whole outstanding performance against Minnesota United was in his post-game interview Klinsman talking about how important it's been for him to come back home obviously he was in Europe but how important it's been for him to come back home and to be around family and to kind of be in that comfort zone to help him uh, you know, find success. And the reason that's just funny for those who don't remember his father, all his father talked about was players needing to go to Europe and players needing to not just stay in MLS. So now it's kind of, it, it's funny. I'm sorry. It's funny that now here his, his son is actually saying, no, you know what? I'm glad I'm here in MLS. I'm, I'm glad I've came, I've come home. I'm back around family. I'm, I'm feeling good now. Cause obviously he had a rough go a couple of years in Europe where it didn't really kind of work out for him. And he's come back. He's still young. What is it? I think he's 23 or 24, 23, but in goalkeeper years, you know, he's still pretty young and 
He, it's a tough spot for him in L.A. because obviously Bond has been outstanding. You can argue Bond has been one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. I don't know if I'd say the best. I know I've seen I've seen some people say that. I know there's some stats, but I don't know if he's been the best goalkeeper through the first half. But he's been very good. So Klinsman's got his work cut out for him. But props to Greg Vanny for for seeing the opportunity to give Klinsman that chance to to get him that game. So he can see that, you know what, Klinsman's someone he can count on. And and Klinsman's someone we should all kind of keep track of because he is actually a very good goalkeeper. And you, you have to wonder when he'll get that opportunity to show that for more than one, just one game. Let's see what other games we had from the weekend. Uh, the weekend, weekend results, weekend results. Another game that stood out for me, Sporting Kansas City goes to Dallas, beats FC Dallas 2-0 in in Frisco. And that's a big one because actually the last team to beat KC was FC Dallas in KC, which does you don't see teams go to KC and win. So obviously Peter Vermees probably reminded his team of that fact. So they went, they got their revenge, and KC is looking very sharp. And for a team, it, <laughs> the, the League's Cup debacle aside, Sporting KC has looked pretty damn good. So they are right there. You have to say New England, Seattle, and Sporting Kansas City, they are in the they're in that upper tier MLS Cup favorites. Those three teams are in they're right now in the penthouse of of when you're talking about stat, you know, grouping the contenders, they are in their own category. Those three teams for now. And those are those are the games that stood out for me over the weekend. Now, as much as the Galaxy beat Minnesota, they had to turn around and play the Rapids on Tuesday night. I, that's pretty crazy, right? But they did it, and they lost. Credit to the Rapids. They've, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel like teams are. I don't feel like people are talking about the Rapids enough because I feel like Robin Frazier's done a very good job with a somewhat young team and a team that does not have. The, the star power and the big the big money signings that some other teams have. No, they, they have a bit of a young team. They have a, a team of MLS veterans, and they're doing it. They're winning games, and they're continuing to develop talent. Obviously, Sam Vines has gone to Royal Antwerp. Cole Bassett has been linked to, to a move to Europe. You're seeing, you know, whether it's players like Austin Trusty really kind of blossom. They're doing pretty well. Andre Shinashiki continuing to score goals. So I think Robert Frazier deserves a little more credit than he's been getting for the job he's doing there. Now, that was Tuesday night. Now, we have a 11-game f- schedule on Wednesday, and I'm not getting into every game, but uh, you know it, what has kind of become the routine now. I'm going to give you the games, and I'm going to give you my picks in case you're interested in betting, in case you're a gambler. Betting is legal in certain states. It's legal where I live, and, uh, you know, it's something to talk about, a little something. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to we're going to do the speed round now. Uh, in terms of uh, now, we're going to do the speed round of the Wednesday matches. Let's run them down. Atlanta at home against TFC. Atlanta, the favorite now. They're, what are they? Minus one fifty-five. TFC. I gotta say, I've picked TFC many times, a, a bunch of times because they're getting these big prices. They're getting these big numbers because there's just no faith in TFC because they haven't been winning games. So. Once again, I'm tempted by TFC at plus 350, but Atlanta's rolling right now. They're, they're feeling good. They're confident. They're at home. As much as I kind of would want to see the starting lineups to see who's rotating squads, and if anyone's sitting uh, as, far, as far as a player like Martinez or you know Miles Robinson or whoever, I'm going Atlanta to win and to cover. New England at home against D.C., New England minus 140. I'm taking New England. I am not betting against New England. I don't think, again, this season, the regular season, New England just looks very good right now. I'm going to go New England, minus 140, take them over D.C., who just got, take them over D.C., who just got uh, absolutely shellacked. Take them over D.C., who just got absolutely shellacked by Nashville. 
Cincinnati against Montreal, and Cincinnati is actually the favorite. They even yes, they're at home, so they should be the favorite. But Cincinnati's on a bit of a run, a bit of an unbeaten run. Montreal coming off of that, and and that's in the game I, I should have talked about uh, from the weekend. For those who missed it, Montreal against the Red Bulls, and the it's tied one one. And for those who missed it, it's tied one one. Montreal gets a late late penalty to win it, right? What do they do? They have their penalty saved by Carlos Coronel, the Red Bulls goalkeeper. But VAR decide, determines he was off his line. So they retake it. Another another player takes penalty. Coronel saves that one. Two penalty saves in a row. But guess what? VAR dis- determines he's off his line again. Now, was he off his line? Absolutely. He was off his line. You can't deny it. However, you could definitely question the actual initial penalty call. Amrul Tarek was sliding and his, his his arm was on the ground. The ball hits his hand. It's, it's a tough call. I think it was a tough call. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Red Bulls, you know, you're in that position because you didn't get it done. You didn't take the lead. You didn't find that goal to take the lead. And credit to Montreal. Finally, on the third attempt, they Waniyama steps up to the spot, converts the penalty. Montreal wins. Now, fast forward now. Montreal going to Cincinnati. Do they have a letdown after that game? I actually am picking Cincinnati. I don't know if I've ever picked Cincinnati, but I'm picking Cincinnati in this one. Miami against Chicago. Miami's the favorite. Miami's at minus 125. And you're asking yourself, how in the heck is Miami favored against the Chicago team? There's actually won a couple of games in a row now, is unbeaten in, I think, four in a row now. How are they plus 300 against a Miami team that isn't exactly a killer? Well, it's probably because Chicago has not won it on the road all year. They have not won a game on the road all year. So what's going to give here? Is it going to be the Fire's recent hot run? Is that going to continue? Or will it be more road struggles? So that's it's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I actually, I think I'm going to go the Fire. I think I'm going to go the fire. I think they're gaining confidence. And I have to say this. One thing I definitely have to say. Francisco Calvo, I've given him a lot of crap in the past for being a player who I say will play well for 85%, 90% of a game. But in that 10%, he just will crap to bed. He'll just make the mistake that cost you the game. Well, guess what? He went out there over the weekend and had an absolute gem of a game. Man of the match for my money. And led them to a victory. So if he's going to continue, if he's if he finds that consistency, if he can play that well consistently, that makes Chicago Fire a completely different animal, a completely different team. So I'm going to go Fire in that one. Philly NYCFC for me the game of the weekend. It's in Chester. Philly plus one forty five. NYCFC plus 160. So this is a pretty close one. It's a toss-up. I'm going to go Union. They're at home as well as NYC is, is played. They're, NYCFC's been playing amazing. They, they've just been great. But Philly at home, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to bet against them. I'm going to go Philly in this one. Red Bulls crew at Red Bull Arena. Red Bulls the favorite, minus 120. We know the Red Bulls are good at home. And we know the crew have just been absolutely lost. And I've been... I've actually been picking the crew a few times in a row now. I'm finally getting off the horse because they they just they just haven't been getting it done. They're just in a serious funk, and and it's crazy because they are the MLS Cup champions, the reigning champions. You look at the talent on the roster, and you're asking how are they struggling this badly? It doesn't really make sense, but they are struggling now. They got to go to Red Bull Arena, where the Red Bulls are. You know they play well at home. They're obviously going to be chomping at the bit you know they're angry over what happened in montreal i'm gonna go red bulls in that one fc dallas seattle dallas is plus 110 they're at home seattle off of that portland game do they have a letdown does brian schmetzer rotate his squad this is one where i want to see the lineup because maybe seattle rests some of their players if they do that then absolutely dallas has a, a chance they you know they're at home they can absolutely beat a seattle team that doesn't play their full squad but if Seattle does play their full squad, I'm going to go Seattle at, what are they, plus one, nine. If they're plus 195, I'm going Seattle. Sorry, I'm going to take Seattle. Apologies to FC Dallas. SKC, Portland Timbers. Now, the Timbers, Timbers are plus 480. And it just shows you what one blowout loss can do. All of a sudden, uh, Vegas doesn't think Portland's any good. Portland's still a good team. 
480 plus 480 feels a little disrespectful. But I think that's also because Sporting KC is so good at home and has been on such a good run, which is why they're minus 230. I'm going to go KC because I just think KC is going to win that game. Portland, uh, you know, obviously they got some real questions to answer about their defense. Uh, Gio Savarese is going to, you know, have to figure some things out because they were absolutely demolished by Seattle. And KC could, you know, KC's not going to, I don't think they're going to score six on Portland. But they've got firepower too. Daniel Shaloy is playing amazingly. Alan Polito quietly just rounding into form. I'm going to go KC in that one. Nashville, Orlando. This is actually a, a, a better game than the line suggests. Orlando's at plus 330. That feels a little, a little. I don't know. I, I, that's a good price as much as Nashville. Again, I think that's because Nashville is coming off a huge win at home. And there's that feeling, oh, Nashville's just powerhouse at home. They can't be touched at home. Orlando's a pretty good team, though. So that that Orlando at plus 330 is a tempting one. I, You know what? I'm going to stick with Nashville. I think Nashville wins. But if you're looking for a bit of an underdog, Orlando City at plus 330 is a pretty good price. Austin, Vancouver. Now, I don't know how many people are going to be, you know, putting that one on their schedule to watch. Um, obviously, two teams that have had a rough year, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go Austin at home. Austin's pretty good at home, or better at home than they are on the road. In Vancouver, Some they show flashes at times. Uh, Mark DeSantos does get them to play pretty well at times, but on the road, I think it's going to be a rough one. Uh, I'm going to go Austin in that one. And then the last one, RSL Houston. Houston's been, uh, they haven't won in, pff, I don't even remember. It's been a long time since Houston's uh, won a game, and to go to RSL at altitude and try to beat them, not, I don't see that happening. RSL, how about Bobby Wood? Bobby Wood scored a goal, great goal over the weekend, and... Let's start talking about Bobby Wood. What if Bobby Wood gets on a run of goals for RSL? Does he put himself back in the picture for the national team? I'm sure people remember the the goals that he has scored against some big teams. He could he could he? I mean, the striker position is kind of open. I mean, there's some good candidates there, but Bobby Wood maybe maybe he can rejuvenate his national team prospects. We'll see. But I'm going to go RSL minus 140 in that one, and that wraps it up. We're almost done. We're almost at exactly an hour, and. If you're not big on on me picking these games, I apologize because I know not everyone's into the into the betting and not everyone's into the lines. But if anything, I'm I'm also trying to just give you a sense of who I like in these games and who I think wins these games. Um, obviously, you kind of do the speed round because when you have 11 games to cover, you can end up having a five hour podcast if you really try to dig into all these games. Um, as much as I could do that, and as much as I really want to do an MLS only uh, a whole separate MLS only podcast, but. We'll see. That's going to be for further down the line. I got way too much going on right now. But that should wrap it up. I think that covers everything. We've we've touched on so many different things. This episode, I feel like I've been zooming by and I'm sure I've missed some things. But I I, I covered all the topics I wanted to get into. Uh, And just to give everyone a little bit of a teaser, World Cup qualifying is around the corner, right? And I want you all to know that uh, for those who aren't aware, Paramount Plus and CBS Sports have the rights to the English language World Cup qualifiers for every World Cup qualifier that isn't being played in the U.S. So that means all the U.S. road qualifiers, and that and that means all the qualifiers in the rest of the CONCACAF region. So if you don't have your Paramount Plus subscription yet, you might want to get that ready for September because it, it, CBS is planning some things. Paramount Plus, CBS Sports and Paramount Plus is planning some big things for their coverage of World Cup qualifying. And the reason I know that is because I am actually going to be working with them on that. Um, For those who don't remember or didn't hear, didn't know, I worked with CBS Sports on their coverage of the Nations League back in June. It was a great time. It was a great experience, a great chance to to work with uh, Aguchi Onyewu, Charlie Davies, obviously Clint Dempsey, you know, getting a chance to work with him uh, after covering him for, for, I don't know how many years. So, and all those guys are coming back and we, they did a great job with Nations League, and now with that experience under their belt and for the group, uh, I see some big things in September. So if you're a U.S. fan, if you're just a fan of, of CONCACAF in general, uh, you, ha- you have even more reason to be excited because you're going to see coverage of World Cup qualifying like you've never seen before. And after all those years of things like having of pay-per-view, having to watch games in pay-per-view and all that, it's great that you're going to be able to see all the games you want. If you want to see Canada against Honduras, Canada against Jamaica, Mexico against Jamaica, you name it, you'll be able to see it on Paramount+. Plus. So that's great. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with those guys, and I'll be doing that again. Um, but that, that's it. I think that wraps it up. I've covered it all. Again, 
as I always ask, I'm always looking for feedback. So if you have any any th- uh, advice, suggestions, things you like, things you don't like, let me know. And I know I need to get guests. I need to have guests rolling back in. I'm, uh, it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. It's just about trying to find that right time, getting into that routine of booking guests, because obviously that, you know, it's something that, you know, you have to, to work on. And I will get that back going again, uh, definitely in September. Um, but we'll see if I can get it going sooner. Um, but definitely for September, I'm definitely looking to get that back as part of the routine. But that's all for now. Definitely thank you for listening. And again, as I always say, if you can leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, do that. If you want to, if you want to leave a review or, or advice or, 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 you know, pros, cons, whatever on SBI Soccer, do that as well. But that's all for now. Uh, trying to think, have I forgotten anything? Oh, I forgot to put the music on. Let's see, because I know, I think it's time for a new intro and outro music, right? Is that what it is? I think it might be time. I think we've given this like a good 20 episode run, but I like it. I like the beat, Um, but I'm going to find a new one. I think it's time. I think I'm going to retire this beat. This is going to be the last one. And then uh, I'll see if I could find a find a new beat to to, to get us going into uh, heading into World Cup qualifying. And um, the roster should be out soon. And we'll talk about that. I'll be back on Friday to uh, talk about the midweek in MLS. Uh, to update you all on Americans Abroad and the latest rumors and to preview the weekend. So definitely stay tuned for that. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is the SBI Show.